It's your World Cup T20 special. And is it England's to lose on cricket? Only better. Hello, this is Cricket Only Better, episode 105, the only cricket podcast which tells you what will happen game by game in the T20 World Cup. Sam Collins, the ever-present, is guiding us through the latest round of matches. Through that, Edward Hawkins. Um, another special edition of the COB today for the World Cup. Four games to preview, stats, trends, best bets, but best of all, it's betting.betfairs. Paul Krishnamurti. That's a mouthful for a Sunday evening. Hello, Paul. Hi, Sam. How you doing? Very well, thanks, Paul. Great to have you on. Um, you're going head-to-head -head with Richard Mann throughout this tournament on the best bets. Paul's currently plus eight, and these are the games that he and Ed are going to call tonight. Yeah, early apology from me. It's not four games, it's five. I've forgotten one. But we do have South Africa versus West Indies, Pakistan versus New Zealand... Bangladesh versus England. We'll have a bit of a wibble on Scotland versus Namibia. And a big one, Australia versus Sri Lanka. And we've got Tasneem Samarkhan returning, talking to Ed about his favourite subject. Not speedos, it's boundary percentage. Let's go. Right, it's the T20 World Cup and it's been mesmerising so far. India versus Pakistan, what a game, what a result for Pakistan. Let's find out how that has affected the outright odds. England, newly installed favourites at fours, followed by India at 4.5. Pakistan, the big movers, are now at fives to win this tournament. Australia, 8-1. to one. New Zealand, 11.5 to 1. West Indies, the big drop out to a massive 18.5. South Africa at 28.5. And Sri Lanka at 48 to 1. I'm going straight over to Ed Hawkins for start of the week. Easy peasy, this tournament. The chase bias currently is 11 wins out of 16. That's really all you need to know about how to play these matches. But uh, do try to keep listening because we've got some more nuggets like that. I just can't stress this enough. Don't bet before the toss because there's such a massive toss bias. The Jew is having a big impact for that side fielding under lights. So they're getting difficulties gripping the ball and they're going to be struggling to defend targets. That 16-game study includes those qualifiers. So... Ignore it at your peril. Paul Krishnamurti stepping up this week in the absence of Richard Mann, who's no doubt nursing his ego after Owen Morgan's wonder show yesterday. Um, what have you spotted so far in this tournament? Well, first, just to reiterate what Ed's just said. I mean, 11 out of 16 maybe doesn't even tell the whole story because a lot of those qualifying games were quite one-sided to start with. So perhaps the bias is even stronger than that. And you've also got to factor in that teams really don't know what the right score is first up. You know, we saw today with Sharjah, massively surprising first innings, first innings score. Um, big takeaway of the week, though, has to be how good Pakistan are. Feeling very, very happy with being on them and being on Shaheen Afridi and Mohamed Rizwan. I thought that was superb today. Textbook chase against India. I mean, for me, they're the team to beat. Wow, that is high praise indeed. Um, more stats coming up now. Ed Hawkins becoming obsessed with boundary percentage and it appears he's found a soulmate in Tasneem Samarkhan. Yes, boundary percentage indeed. Now, in this uh, ICC 
World T20 so far. We've had 13 wins for the team hitting the most boundaries in 16 matches, two ties. Tasneem Samarkand cricket journalist joins me now to talk about the importance of boundary percentage. I know you you share my passion for it, Tasneem, but it's hugely important in UAE, you believe. Yeah, I do. I think the really interesting thing about boundary percentage is that there's some um, compelling data that we can start drawing some conclusions from. Um, But that compelling data does look a little bit different, um, dependent on conditions, dependent on the different leagues that you look at the data for, and um, dependent on other components of of both your batting and your bowling. And what I mean by that is that boundary percentage um, cannot be looked at um, in isolation without dot ball percentages and um, and runs in general. And then um, on the other side, um, how many boundaries a side concedes as well, which is massively important. So I think that when, when looking at the different sides at the World Cup at the moment, it's easy to see a relationship um, because that relationship is there about nine out of 10 um, matches between the team that makes the highest or achieves the highest number of boundaries and then the winning total. Okay, so we've got a chart, haven't we? Boundary percentage ranking uh, and then we've got some boundary economy ranking in brackets. That's on betting.betfair. No particular surprise to see that England are number one on boundary percentage followed by West Indies, Pakistan, Rather surprisingly, they're third. This is two-year data, by the way, in all T20. But what what else um, can you pick out from some of these numbers, Tasneem Summer? I think India is really interesting because it's placed all the way down there at five. And I do think maybe that data has changed a little bit in these um, uh, last two years. It's placed all the way down there at number five, but conversely, their boundary economy is one. So that's something that India are really going to be looking at um, over the next two weeks or trying to maximize. I think it's something that's probably already come into the games because we're seeing much more tactical cricket anyway. Um, We saw that in the Pakistan-India game. There was a lot of maximizing of matchups. And I think that considering a side's boundary percentage, particularly at the phase of the game that you're playing, e.g. boundaries being more valuable in the middle overs as opposed to the power plays, is is probably the way that it's going to be looked at. So in the short term, um, over a target of five overs or so, boundary percentage is a really valuable marker for both um, the off-field components of the side and the on-field components to the side as to how they're going in their chase or their setup of the game. Yeah, Sri Lanka, very, very well placed at number four and number three, respectively, uh, batting and bowling boundary, uh, hitting and economy. South Africa at eight and fifth suggests they've got a lot of work to do. Uh, let's just move the conversation on a bit to uh, the anchor role, which you're going to hear a lot about in this tournament. Um, and there are a lot of people who think you need an anchor there at number three or number four. Is this anchor role going to be overstated, Tasneem Summer? I mean, analysts would have you believe that the likes of Coley with that innings against Pakistan and Smith, albeit in a winning cause against South Africa, have both played knocks, which in the context of the format actually hurt their sides. It's an interesting question, and I, I understand why it said that Kohli's um, innings against Pakistan would have been detrimental. Um, I do think it rests on a lot of speculation, because when analysts tell you that, that the way that a match was played was, um, you know, was, was led to a, a poor, inevitable conclusion, you're kind of wondering, well, what would have the batsman that, that came in instead of Kohli or played in a different manner um, chosen to do? Boundary percentage is something that comes with the balance of risk and reward. 
reward. So where you have a batsman that attacks um, a greater percentage of balls than, than the average batsman out there, obviously he's going to take on a commensurate amount of risk. So I do think it's really speculative to, to say, particularly with Coley and Smith's innings, which, um, which may have really both lived on the edge of, of, of being very helpful or detrimental innings. I think dependent just on perspective and nothing else. But it does bring us to the question of an anchor. Um, I think the word anchor is probably wrong for what we're talking about. And the word accumulator is maybe more accurate for um, what we mm. need to see for that role in the UAE. Let's talk about one team which does uh, know how to push the accelerator. Namibia, they call them the bomb squad, though that trio <laughs> in the middle. We've got a preview of the Scotland game coming up. Just tell us a little bit about this Namibia side and the threat they pose to the Scots because obviously a lot of people haven't seen much of them. They'll recognise David Vietza in there, but uh, you know quite a bit about the associate sides, Tasneem Summer, so just fill us in. So a big part of that, like you mentioned, um, is um, uh, Erasmus, the skipper. He's um, a, a potent player and he inspires the players that play under him. And that always has um, a unquantifiable value to that. He's got a good average. He's got a great strike rate around 130 plus. Um, JJ Schmidt comes in and really beefs up that middle order. Um, a strike rate in the qualifiers of about 170 um, with an average of just under th- around about 28, if I remember correctly. And now we've got David Visa really really beefing out that middle order. Um, You've got a strong batsman, Craig Williams as well. So I think that batting wise, they're very much set. Bowling wise, Jan Freilink is very experienced. Um, He's a left armor. He can extract swing um, early in the power play with a new ball. Um, So they've got a left arm heavy attack. And I think that they have done um, as best as they can with their bowling resources. I think that it might be difficult, a difficult ask um, for them to, to pip any of the full member sides, but that match against Scotland definitely has a little bit of history in it. Um, they had a really tight game in the qualifiers between the two, which Namibia won. So it's definitely tight competition and Namibia um, should not be counted out because that boundary percentage is, is very impressive for them. Brilliant stuff. Tasneem Summer Khan. She'll be joining us throughout these special cobs. See you next time. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. Great stuff. Let's get on with the match previews. Stay tuned for the best bets from Paul Krishnamurti. And now we begin with South Africa versus West Indies. Kick off part two, South Africa versus West Indies on Tuesday, 11 a.m. from Dubai. South Africa, even money for this one. And West Indies, four to five. Ed Hawkins. Uh, possible 11s for you. South Africa, De Kock, Bavuma, Van der Dussen, Markram, Klaassen, Miller, Pretorius, Maharaj, Shamsi, Rabada, Nokjay. West Indies are in a bit of a state, but do they go with the same 11? If they do, Lewis, Simmons, Gale, Hetmeyer, Peran, Pollard, Russell, Bravo, McCoy, Hossein and Rampel, Thomas, possibly in for McCoy, and Hetmeyer may well be vulnerable to Roston Chase. Head-to-head, South Africa beat West Indies 3-2 this year in the West Indies, and it was a strong West Indies too. Uh, West Indies were four favourites for this tournament. If you go back to our preview show, has everyone been blindsided by some of their players producing big performances in weak tournaments? A little bit of a thought for the week. Okay, Paul, you were very sceptical about the West Indies in our preview shows, but even you must have been surprised by that hammer against England, bowled out for 55. I suppose the question is, does them 
you know, does the diminishing odds give some sort of sense of value, maybe a reaction from them? Yeah, I mean, that's very possible. I mean, that was obviously that was unpredictable. That is their nature. Just to say, usual story, as always, the enormous price, the one enormous price in the competition has already happened. You could have got 100 to one. They got less than 90 in their innings. So, you know, once again, that theory that if you just bat the extremes every single game, it will pay off. Um, the nature of them is they're so hit and miss, they might well hit back here. I mean, England bowled really well yesterday, but so much of that was self-inflicted, just trying to hit a boundary off every ball. Um, having said that, I don't regard them as necessarily a superior side to South Africa, as that series in the West Indies showed. Uh, South Africa, again, they lost the toss yesterday. You know, maybe were beaten from the start from that point of view. I think it's a 50-50 game and so much will come down to the toss. OK, Ed Hawkins, what have you got for us? Well, I've got an average score of 149 first innings in Dubai. So uh, this is uh, sort of middling pitch uh, of the three. I'm not expecting a huge amount of runs, particularly difficult to expect to be going overs given that West Indies batting performance. But look, what I would say is that West Indies uh, have got a huge advantage on the boundary percentage. So they really, really should beat South Africa, who, let's not forget, were absolutely appalling against Australia and should have put up a, a much better performance against a very weak Aussie team. So I'm quite keen on West Indies here. I'm not against them because they they're batting with intent and they're and they're being reckless. I think that's good. Uh, just stick to the game plan and keep going and I think they can take South Africa down. Mhm. Um Paul Krishnamurti, how how do you, how will you be betting on this? Presumably definition of madness to bet pre-toss here. Yeah, I, I think it is in terms of the uh match winner, but Ed's just made a really good point about the boundaries here. See, a notable statistic from that series in the West Indies is South Africa won 3-2, but West Indies won the sixes match-up 5-0, and they won it easily in every game. So if you certainly, if you fancy the West Indies, but even if you don't, I think 8-13 West Indies to score the most sixes looks pretty rock-solid. OK. Um, Ed Hawkins, anything on the side here? Just a couple of big prices on Kyron Pollard and Andre Russell for top West Indies run score at eight and nine to one respectively with Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, very, very strong records in this market. I don't think they have a huge amount to beat. I've got a massive downer on the likes of uh, Nicky Peran, for example. Whether Roston Chase comes back into the side, uh, we're, we're yet to see. And, and that could potentially put me off because he's going to play that anchor role with them. Uh, but if he doesn't, uh, those two are solid bets. OK, Paul, finish it off for us. Yeah, nothing massive here. Nothing really stood out for me. But one thing is that I think, as we saw today with a 3D, there is the first four or five overs the ball swings around. High-quality pace bowling can really do damage in those early overs. And just as I back to Friedrich, a day man of the match, 16s, you get 16 to 1, and Rick Norkia to be man of the match. And I think he could be the one. He, you know, we just saw West Indies collapse from the outset against England. No reason that won't happen again. And he would be the likely uh, beneficiary of that. Okay, lovely stuff. Thanks, guys. Next up, 
Pakistan versus New Zealand from Sharjah also on Tuesday. This is basically Ed Hawkins versus Richard Mann and Paul Krishnamurti on the respective outright tips, I believe. Um, a close affair on the Betfair exchange, 1.92 Pakistan, New Zealand at 2.04. Ed Hawkins, a lowdown, makes sense of it. Yeah, possible 11s. Pakistan are surely going to be unchanged. Babar, Rizwan, Zaman, Hafiz, Shoaib Malik, Azif Ali, Shadab, Imad, Hassan, Harris, Ralph and Shaheen, Shah, Afridi. New Zealand, Guptill, Mitchell we think is going to open the batting. Williamson, Conway, Phillips, Nisham, Santner, Jameson, Ferguson, Sodi and Bolt. On your head-to-head, Pakistan have won six of the last eight. However... Whopping toss bias under lights at Sharjah. For the love of God, don't bet the side batting first. Uh, side batting first on recent, recent averages do well to get to 140. Ouch. Um, Paul, we spoke about this in the preview show for the outright. Um, we're against short price favourites precisely because of games like this. Uh, losing the toss can completely damn a side. Yes, that, that is gen- absolutely true. And, you know, that is my general theory. And maybe I've got to sort of check myself here because I'm so excited about how good Pakistan were today. <laughs> but I would have them a lot shorter than the odds are right now. They're about 1.9 on the exchange. And to me, they look way superior. Important statistic, they have now won 14 out of 15 matches in the United Arab Emirates. And none of those were against minnows. Only one was against India, but they were against sides of a similar calibre internationally. We also saw New Zealand, albeit with an understrength side, really struggle badly in slow Bangladesh conditions. And I just expect Pakistan to cope much better than this, with, with this. Yes, the toss is important, but I would have them a lot shorter. Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, is there a canny way to play innings runs here, Paul, or do you just go under the par line? Um, oh, what will it be set out here, do you think? What a headache. I mean, this is, you know, let's see what happened today, right? This is Sri Lanka, Bangladesh. 130 or more started at 2.2, and we've ended up on 170 plus. Prior to that, going, laying 140 or 145 odds on has proved an absolute gold mine. Um, I think if New Zealand bat first, I will happily back under. I will back under 140, at, well, lay, lay under one, lay 140 or more at 1.7 all day long. I just wonder where it will be after today because 172 looked an amazing score and was an enormous price, but it got chased down. That pitch completely blindsided everybody as well. Even the commentators said that they thought more of the same as the previous matches with 130 being par. Okay. Ed Hawkins, something on the side for us here? Yes, Martin Guptill averages 14 in the UAE and he really strolled against Pakistan in a three-match series a year ago. I think Guptill's a busted flush, really. Uh, His best days are uh, behind him and I think he's going to struggle with Shaheen Shah Afridi shaping the ball against him. Um, Harris Ralph might give him a bit of a hurry up as well. So we might be able to go under his innings runs, possibly around about the 20.5, 21.5 20.5, 21.5 mark. I think that's a bet. Also, Mitchell, who we think is going to open because he did so in a warm-up, he's 6-1 to one with Betfair Sportsbook for top Kiwi run scorer. Uh-huh. Um, Paul, anything to add here? I absolutely uh, endorse the Mitchell bet there because um, I don't like Guptill and it's 
pretty clear that openers have a big advantage at Dubai. Again, today just bucked that trend, but generally we've seen that. Um, so perhaps on that front, back either Barbara Zahn or Mohamed Rizwan to be top match batsman, that might be a play. And I would just add, I, I wonder what price Freedy will be for man of the match after today. But if we can get anywhere near 16 to 1 again, that is just huge. For me, he's like as good a bowl as there is in the tournament. Okay, thank you very much, guys. Um, best bets still to come. Next up, Bangladesh versus England and Scotland versus Namibia. Right, Bangladesh versus England on Wednesday from Abu Dhabi. Bet for exchange prices, 1.33 England, 3.38 Bangladesh. Ed Hawkins, it is your moment. England, Butler, Roy, Milan, Bairstow, Livingston, Moeen, Morgan, Wokes, Rashid, Jordan Mills are going to be unchanged, surely. Bangladesh, Das, Naeem, Shakib, Mushfakir, Mabudullah, Afif, Mahedi Hassan, Nurul, Safuddin, Mustafazir and Taskin. Look, boundary percentage, I, I'm sorry to keep going on about it, but England 23.6 cumulative average versus Bangladesh 13.7. That is the worst in the tournament of established sides. Abu Dhabi 158 one, average first inning score in the IPL. I don't think Bangladesh have got a prayer here if they bat first. England will get absolutely anything. Paul, do you back Bangladesh if the toss goes their way here? No, again, I, I, I agree. I think that there's too big a class gap. I'm really not convinced with Bangladesh. I think they struggle badly against quality pace, and I think England will have that. Plus, you know, I'd say Adil Rashid's probably as good a spin as there is in white ball cricket. So, no, I don't think there'd be much trouble for England at all here. OK, let's talk a bit more generally about England then. Stunning win against the West Indies. They are now officially the favourites. Ed Hawkins, they, they appear to be upsetting you, though. Well, I think they're a really good side. And, and um, if we just take prices out of it, they're, they're probably going to win it. Um, however, they're not. I don't think they're helping themselves with how they're picking their 11. I don't think they're making the most of Moeen, who won the IPL with CSK in these conditions, batting at number three and number four setting the tone, showing intent, hitting spinners out the park. They've got to get him involved here. Um, and also, if Milan is not going to bat in a short chase like they had the other day against West Indies, what's the point of him being in the side What's at all? Just take him out and and get uh, Moeen in there at number three instead. And then you could add depth to your death hitting by bringing in Sam Billings. If England get their 11 right, and I presume they will do at some stage during this tournament, they're going to be really, really hard to stop. OK, interesting. Um, Paul, goes back to that point, doesn't it? Uh, in the semi-final, if they lose the toss, they're, they're still vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think all you can do at this stage is position for the semis and then hope it goes your way. We saw this in the, we've seen this in the other T20 franchises. You know, you can be brilliant during the... Uh, group stage but then you get, lose the toss in the semis and the final when it all goes wrong um, but you can't argue with the way England uh, are playing They, to me I agree with Ed they're probably the best team in it on paper um, would say they're still in the harder group and so with the toss bias things could still get a bit troublesome but I like them a lot and um, yeah I suspect there'll be two wins from two and looking on course after this Okay, Ed Hawkins, um, any side market? Goodness. Uh, top Bangladesh top Bangladesh batsman, a thief, a steal at 15 to 2 with Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, good hitter, 
Might not have much to beat here if that top order gets blown away by pace. Neural Hassan, could he get another promotion? Batted up the order in the group stage. Promotion uh, means that the 33s looks a bit chunky. Sorry to go on about Moeen. Uh, 11 to 2 is a nice price, but batting all order is all over the shop. But uh, is Butler at a price boosted 11 to 4 a standout bet here because of the advantage of batting in the power play? All right, Paul Krishnamati, over to you. Yeah. Um, agree with Hassan Nur Hassan at 33s. I would add as well 90 to 1 Mohammed Saifuddin, who can absolutely bat and hit a few boundaries at the death the other day in one of the preliminary matches. Um, you know, there's every chance that Bangladesh are going to be bowled out pretty cheaply here, and this market's one with you know 20 or something. So that's a good pair. For for England, I like Tarmel Mills. I think. Back him at three to one to be top wicket taker every game. You'll do all right. He bowls at the death. He's definitely going to keep his place after the way he bowled yesterday. And to me, you know, he's the sort of quality pace bowler that Bangladesh struggle against. Scotland versus Namibia from Abu Dhabi under lights on Wednesday. Beware the wet ball. We've obviously already heard from Tasneem Samarkhan about the Namibia bomb squad, but let's get a lowdown now from Edward Hawkins. Scotland are going to line up like this. Munsey, Kurtz, Across, Berrington, McLeod, Greaves, Leesk, Watt, Davy, Sharif and Wheel. Namibia, Williams, Green, Erasmus, Visa, Smith, there's your bomb squad, Van Lingen, Freilink. I just... Let's dwell on some of these names from the Namibian team. Picky, your France. Jan Nicole Lofty Eaton. Ruben Trumpelman. Um, Bernard Schultz uh, finishing off at number 11. Namibia won the last two encounters in 2019 and 2021. Keep an eye out for Craig Williams with the bat here. Runs easy to come by versus the Scots. So one to watch for your side markets. I wonder what picky your France makes of Edward Hawkins. Eh? Um, Paul Krishnamurti, how are you going to price this one up? It's a good question. Um, I'm, I just had a look, because we only got his last minute this game. Um, I had a look on the exchange, and Scotland have been matched at 1.28 for this game. I just cannot have that at all. And certainly, if you can get 3.0 or better about Namibia, that's a great bet. T to me, there's nothing between them. They won both their previous matches. Toss is all important. Um, they might even be the better side. I mean, I think David Vita is the best player in, on either side. So absolutely go with them. Okay. Um, any side value here? Greaves, Sorry. I think, at 16s. Uh, that's a big price about a guy who's shown accomplished skills with the bat. Already in this tournament, he's already topped. Uh, George Manzi at the top of the order. He, he could well have gone big by the time you listen to this. But again... Power play, big advantage. He's got a tremendous strike rate uh, against pace or spin. I don't think he's got a huge amount to worry about with the Namibia attack. And I like Brad Wheel for top bowler for the Scots because he's uh, decent at the death. Okay, um, Paul Krishnamurti, final word for you before we move on to Australia versus Sri Lanka. No, nothing on the side here for me, just back in Namibia. Righto, last game of the episode, and it's a belter, Australia versus Sri Lanka from Dubai on Thursday. Ed Hawkins. Australia will probably be playing safe and they'll pick the wrong team again. So this is what it will look like. Warner, Finch, Marsh, Smith, Maxi, Stoinis, Agar, Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood and Zampa. Until Warner's sacked, 
uh, and they get Joss English in there. They're going to do Nout, Sri Lanka, Kusal, Nasanka, Asalanka, Avishka, Rajapaksa, Wanindu Hasaranga, Shanaka, Karen Ratni, Chamira and Thikshana and Lahiru. Australia beat Sri Lanka 3-zip in a 2019 series at home. Not many Sri Lanka players survive, though, so don't worry about your head-to-head too much. Is this the big one? Sri Lanka win the toss and field. We're all over them, surely. Well, Krishnamurti, I suspect you might agree with that. I do, I do. Uh, I think that not only am I still deeply sceptical about Australia, despite them winning yesterday, struggling to get over the line, even chasing 119. Um, but Sri Lanka could be the dark horse of this tournament. They seem to be loving these conditions. Number of players playing well, bat and ball. Um, the, there's going to be a toss, toss bias again. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, what are we looking at here? Two to one, five to two, so Sri Lanka, that, that's a price. Yeah, I, mean, I think he might get he might get threes um, on Sri Lanka. I am a bit worried we've got Sri Lanka wrong, or rather I've got Sri Lanka one because they do uh, wrong because they they are stacking up extremely well on boundary percentage and economy rate. They're probably um, overpriced at forty eight on the exchange. Mm, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. And how about Australia guys? Um, they're shortened in the betting for the outright. Either of you changed your mind on them? No, no, not at all. Um, Warner is just shouldn't be in the side, and backing unders on Warner paid off yet again yesterday. Wonder what they make him against Sri Lanka, but certainly if it's at twenty one point five again, then go unders there. Uh, I noticed that Steve Smith has now top scored in three games in a row, and I think Edge will back up that that probably speaks volumes about their chance because. Smith probably shouldn't be in the side, but just having a solid anchor batsman is working for them at the moment because the rest of them aren't up to it. Just a shout out to Richard Mann as well. He mentioned this the other day on Twitter. The likelihood that Australia changes 11 is very, very slim because Justin Langer, the coach, isn't going to be upsetting David Warner before the Ashes series. And he's certainly not going to be looking at moving Steve Smith out of the firing line or even dropping him either for exactly the same reason. So they're damned for me. Anything on the side markets here? Uh, Roger Paxa, just because I like saying Roger Paxa, uh, tremendous hitting ability. He's got the best boundary percentage uh, of this Sri Lanka team. Um, so there are big prices going around about him in the middle order, sixes and sevens around that pr- that round that area. Uh, and just a word about Asa Lanka, 80 from 49 against Bangladesh. Look, Sri Lanka are probably a blueprint for how you win this tournament. They're going absolutely hard in that first power play and then they're bowling like dervishes. Uh, if they can keep it going, they've got a, a you know a great chance of upsetting plenty of sides. Okay, Paul Krishnamurti. Sorry. So I would just say, um, I mean, Sri Lanka is quite hard to work out how they're going to price up Sri Lanka. The odds change so much game to game. Like Asalanka has been seven and eight in games. Roger Pasca sometimes is overpriced. So, I, so I'll leave them for one minute, but. I think that the Aussie middle order is overpriced here. I mean, Pat Cummings is 55, 55 to 1 in the last game. Right? Cummings can bat. Cummings can be promoted um, for a slog at the death. And, you know, repeating earlier comments, a lot of these games, you might win this top back market with 20 or 30. Cummings could get 20 or 30 in two overs. 
So go with that. Matthew Wade as well. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to promote Matthew Wade because they're going to stick with Warner and Finch. But, you know, this is a guy who's an opener in the Big Bash, and he's in there at 25, 33s every game. So maybe a bit of value there. Okay. Um, Paul, you shorted water in the first game. Are you going to do it again? Yeah, there's no prices up yet. Um, absolutely. If we can get 21.5, it might even be higher because it's against a supposedly inferior size in, in Sri Lanka. But absolutely, going under 21.5 is rock solid. Okay. Um, that wraps it up. Best bets coming next. Right, best bet scores on the doors, Edward Hawkins. Richard Mann is plus 21.30 on his best bets tally. Paul is plus eight, and he's going to do some catching up this week. I've got it feeling in my bones. Paul, what are we betting on? Okay, first of all, if New Zealand bat first against Pakistan, I will lay 140 or more first innings runs. Um, for 2.5 units at 1.7. And if the odds aren't there pre-match, then we leave an order in to lay and run in. Um, second, I'll have one unit on Time Owl Mills to be top England wicket taker at 3-1. to one. Next, I will have a one-unit treble on West Indies to score the most sixes, 8-13 against South Africa. England at beat Bangladesh at three to ten, and Pakistan at beat New Zealand at five to six, and then we will add a 0.5 unit acker, the those three plus David Warner, unders whatever mark he is against Sri Lanka. Brilliant stuff from Paul. Should have got my accumulator treble klaxon out. Oh, he didn't warn me. That's cricket only better done for you. When do we return? It's Wednesday. We're back again in your ears. Can you believe it? The games are coming thick and fast. And we're previewing a whole host of matches, including Australia versus England. What a cracker that could be. In the meantime, don't forget to check out betting.betfair. Every single match is previewed on there. And there's some special offers to take advantage of as well. See you next time.